Welcome to your friendly neighborhood film cast, a movie podcast where we spread the good word about movies. I am your host, Jack, and with me today is returning guest, Lydia. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy to be back. I am so happy to have you back, Lydia. And today we are talking about a movie that you introduced me to. And I'm so glad that you did because it really left quite the impression on me. And I'm just very excited to talk about it. And that is the 2019 film Portrait of a Lady on Fire, directed by Celine Siama. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Sounds good to me. (laughs) And this movie is described as France, 1770. Marianne, a painter, is commissioned to do the wedding portrait of Eloise, a young woman who has just left the convent. Eloise is a reluctant bride-to-be, and Marianne must paint her without her knowing. She observes her day by day to paint her secretly. So, Lydia, I'm very curious to hear what your background was with this movie, how you discovered it, and uh, just what are your overall thoughts? I discovered this movie... well. So this movie is French. It's in French. It's directed by a French director. Every pore of it is French. And so while it gained a lot of popularity in in France and in Europe, it was a little slow going here in the U.S. I came across it on Twitter, as one does. And when it came to Hulu, I was so excited. And I was blown away by how good this movie is. To start, I will tell a brief story. The other night, I had this very vivid dream of Pumpkin, which was the cat I had growing up. A little clever, cute little calico cat. It's been probably 10 years since she died. We're talking childhood, right? But do you ever wake up from a dream and you just it just carries itself with you throughout the day? I spent three days thinking about that cat. I was searching through old documents on my computer trying to find a photo because I couldn't remember the patterns on my cat's face. And that's because art has power. It has power of memory. It has the power to console. It has the power to validate. And that is a big part of this movie, right? It's the power of art and how it breathes life into relationships even after they're over. Marion's portrait of Eloise and the drawing she gives Eloise of herself are intended to comfort and remind the other of this brief, tragic love. Because that's what this movie is. It's a tragic love story. There's no happy ending for them. But it's realistic. I can see this happening. I can see, I can imagine countless stories Mm -hmm. just like this. And it does, like, organic female solidarity Mm -hmm. like nothing I've ever seen before on camera. It's truly incredible, and it's not anything that I ever would have been able to articulate until I saw it in here. Oh, yeah. So let's start with the movie itself. I mean, the costumes are beautiful. They're layered, they're corsets, but they're also, you know, each character appears in the same simple dress for most of the film, which is about two weeks long. So... That's very realistic. The colors, the scenery, the shots, the longing gazes, it's all so well done. I love the use of sound in this movie. It's a very spare use of sound. You know, every sound means something. 
there's not a lot of background music. It's just them living their lives. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, when I watched this movie for the first time and when I rewatched it this week, there are moments when I feel like it could almost be a horror movie. Did you get that feeling at all? <laughs> I'm so glad that you are mentioning this and I'm not... I want to wait until the spoiler section to go more in depth, but yes, having no idea where this movie was going, I was very convinced that it was going to have a supernatural twist to it. So I'm glad that it's not just me. (laughs) Mm -mm. We will talk about that a little later then. Um, Let's talk about the three characters, right? We have Eloise and we have Marianne who are falling in love. And then we have Sophie who is the servant of Eloise and her mother. But when the mother leaves the picture, it's very clear that these three girls are kind of building their own utopia. It's their happy place. There's no question of class. Eloise and Marianne and Sophie are all treated equally within their group, which I think is really beautiful. Yes, the dynamic definitely changes once mom is out of the picture. Yeah, there's that scene where Sophie is sitting and she's doing embroidery and Eloise and Marianne are doing the cooking and the setting the table. It's like they're giving her a break in the one five-day period that she would ever be allowed to take a break, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. And we can't help but talk about the portrayal of a gay relationship in this movie. Have you seen... The Happiest Season that came out on Hulu with Kristen Stewart recently. I haven't. I've heard a lot of controversy, and it was actually (laughs) brought up in the last episode that I recorded as well. That's hilarious. You know, I can't say if I recommend it or not, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but compare the two movies since Mm -hmm. I watched them so close together. And The Happiest Season has a lot of stereotypes of gay characters in it. And I think portrait doesn't you know nobody dies well none of the people in the relationship die like Eloise's sister has died but nobody dies nobody can't accept the fact that they're gay nobody is essentially like a straight person who just happens to be gay like none of those stereotypes take place here their relationship is not a source of conflict it feels inevitable it feels right (laughs) it feels beautifully done right Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on mythology in this story. The story of Orpheus and Eurydice. That's the story that Eloise is reading out to Marianne and to Sophie during one of their brief moments of sisterhood, of family. You know, I wish that I could say more on that. Mythology is just one of those aspects, one of those subjects that I will never quite, my brain just can't wrap its head around, unfortunately. It's one of the few classes that I got to be in in college. And I bet that made you so mad as a student or so sad. Yes. Oh my gosh, the days when I cared about grades, <laughs> things change. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm really, I'm thinking about after they read the story and about how Eloise and Marianne interpreted it. So Eloise, the story of Eurydice and Orpheus is where um, Orpheus goes to the underworld to save Eurydice and they're allowed to walk out. But he has to walk first, she has to walk second, and if he looks back at her, she'll be pulled back into the underworld. And that story is a perfect metaphor of our girls here. It's perfect. And it comes up later. Although maybe I shouldn't say more until the spoiler section. We have a lot to talk about later, don't we? 
We do. But we still have some things to cover. Let's talk about men. Tell me your thoughts on all of the men in this movie. So I did kind of have an idea that there weren't many men in this movie because one of the few things that I had heard about it prior to seeing it was this I guess you could say it was a meme that was floating around online where Andy Samberg was giving his thoughts on this movie. I forget exactly what he said, but I'm paraphrasing <laughs> here where he said, I didn't realize just how unnecessary a man is to a movie until a man just showed up out of nowhere in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> it was so unnecessary. He didn't need to be there. He is an intrusion in that scene. He doesn't belong. You've seen him more recently than I have for the first time. Did you feel like he was an intrusion when he showed up? Oh, yeah. The whole time I was expecting at some point a man is going to show up because I had this expectation in mind. But still, when a man does show up, it shocked the shit out of me. I was not expecting yeah. it. Suddenly you are reminded that men exist. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you're also come to, you come to realize that you forgot about them entirely. They none of them are named in this movie, right? None of them you don't really see them face on, like you just kind of see them in the side and profile. Mm-hmm. It's not clear. They're not the star of this show for once. This is very clearly directed by the, a woman director and it's very clearly about these two women. There's so much going on in this story and it's somehow so simple. What were some of your favorite parts? One thing that I did want to touch on was that it's interesting how there is a fair amount of nudity, but there is no sex depicted on screen. That's a great observation. That seems very intentional because... Yes. There's that movie Blue is the Warmest Color, I think it's called. And Mm -hmm. this movie was very clearly in conversation with that because that movie was directed by a man and the actresses later said it felt very predatory having to film Mm. a six minute long graphic sex scene compared to this movie, which doesn't show sex. And really, it doesn't show a lot of nudity. The one scene that shows nudity is essentially when Marianne is drawing a picture of Eloise And she's draped across the bed. And it's very beautiful. It's very romantic. But you're right. There's no sex on this screen at all. And I think that kind of just shows um, what the focus of this movie was. Which wasn't on, uh, I don't know, it wasn't trying to provoke people in any way. It wanted to just present this beautiful story in as um, gentle of a manner as it could. Yeah. And that's not to say this movie didn't have intimacy, right? The entire thing was outrageously intimate. These long shots of them gazing at the other person and the camera not moving away and just watching them gaze at the other person, like smooth caressing shots, like on skin. It was very intimate and very romantic and just Mm -hmm. not sexual. Well, no sex, right? It's very interesting to see the tech, the dichotomy between the two. Absolutely. I guess I'll go into my background and overall thoughts on it. I'd heard good things about this movie from other film podcasts and, like you were saying, from Twitter. Film Twitter really helps introduce us to a lot of stuff. I'm telling you, there's some good advice out there. There is. And um, 
I had definitely wanted to watch it after learning that it was on Hulu, but because of the predicament that we're currently in, it's just very hard to sit down and focus on a two-hour movie without checking my phone or doing anything because it's just really hard to separate work from home from entertainment from anything when it's all taking place in the same space now on the same computer probably (laughs) yeah so it's just hard to like just completely focus on a movie and after you had recommended it it kind of brought it back to the forefront like oh yeah I should watch that and I figured okay I'll save it for a day when I want to watch something that I want to pay full attention to and then it just so happened that the following night, it was Thanksgiving night, and I had just finished watching the first Lord of the Rings movie, which I'm slowly going through those again as an adult because I haven't seen them since I was in single digits. Oh. I was already in kind of that mood to watch something long and a little bit slower, not as fast-paced, and I'm like, I think that this is a good follow-up. It's only... 8.39, I have another movie left in me, so let's put this on and see how it is. And like I mentioned before in our Knives Out podcast, it ended up becoming my second favorite movie of 2019. So it left quite an impression on me. And I, I think it's because on one level, this movie is gorgeous to look at. Painting is a big subject in this movie but the movie itself is almost like a painting like Mm -hmm. absolutely it's just beautiful I think it's just shot very well and the colors pop I love the specific setting of it I think that the dialogue is quite compelling and the performances are very natural I forget that these people are acting at any point (laughs) Yeah, I Everything agree. just feels so real. Yeah. It makes me want to watch other movies by any of these French people, which are so hard to track down because they're all in French. I could have watched another hour of this movie. And I think that the slow pace, which I didn't mind it because I was in the mood for it and because just I think that it works so well for this movie... But I think partially why it works so well is because the slow pace fits with the slow nature of time back in that era. Like, things didn't happen quickly. They happened slowly. And I think that if the pace would have been quicker, it would have felt jarring in some way. So I think that it's very fitting to the story. And when it takes place that we have this pacing and that we have these grand gestures and long gazes and... Yeah, and I think that it dabbles in dark subject matter, but in a very melancholic way to where you're never overwhelmed and it never feels too dark, but you still feel something. Yeah, this movie makes you feel a lot of things, and it touches on a lot of those Mm -hmm. tough subjects without feeling preachy or, I don't know, it it tackles a lot of issues without feeling like it's tackling a lot of issues. (laughs) that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to get into spoilers? Let's do it. It's different than spoilers for an action movie, right? Because we already know it's a tragic love story. From the very beginning, you know it's a tragic love story. But there are still spoilers, so let's tackle them. Okay. So let's talk about 
how this movie seems like it could go down a supernatural or horror-based road because I definitely had in my mind that there was going to be some kind of a twist and I think it might have been in part because you described it as a slow burn and I've been watching a lot of horror movies on a group discord lately and a lot of people who have seen these movies have been describing them as slow burns so I'm just expecting in my mind that like I'm about to be watching something that might have some kind of a twist and when Marianne sees this image of Eloise in a wedding dress throughout the movie in the hallway I started like the wheels started turning in my head is Eloise a ghost is Marianne imagining her like Mm-hmm. Is there going to be some kind of a twist? Exactly. Something else that I thought of too, just the image portrait of a lady on fire. Before we know exactly the context of Eloise being on fire, I start this is another spoiler for a different movie, but I was wondering if it would be some kind of hereditary twist where she just like lights on fire at some point and Marianne is so traumatized by it that she like paints this is the woman that I loved how she died or something I don't know oh that is definitely horrifying see I can't watch horror movies anything that's really demonic supernatural any of that kind of shit I can't do it I I can't handle it so when I watched this movie for the first time And I see a lot of those dark hallways and doorways where you're like, you're just waiting for something to appear. And there's Mm -hmm. long shots that make you feel something is coming and in the mirrors. And then, and then I'm like, okay, it's not a horror movie, Lydia. You can watch it. And then an apparition of a bride appears in a dark Mm -hmm. doorway. (laughs) And suddenly I'm like, okay, is this going to get scarier? Because I can't handle it. But they are being haunted. By this marriage, by this inevitable end of the relationship, there is this element of horror in that way. But there's that moment at the fire where everyone starts to chant and sing, and it sounds like a coven of witches at first. It does. And I had just seen the witch like that prior week, so I was definitely thinking that too. I'm sorry. And then it suddenly turns angelic. There are so many creepy elements to this that aren't creepy but also kind of are. You know, they, they are. They're creepy elements because they're being haunted by these patriarchal standards of society. Blah, blah, blah. But the point is, there are moments watching it, even the second time, even when I knew it happened, where I was like, okay, it's dark outside, but it's okay. <laughs> Nothing's gonna jump out of these doorways. It's fine. I'm really glad you felt that way too because no one else I know who's seen this picked up on that. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that it wasn't just me. I think that it's just, which maybe you would be a good person to talk about this with because it seems like you watch a lot of movies, even if they're not necessarily horror based. I think it's just the language of film tells us that these are things to look out for in horror movies. Like we've seen Mm -hmm. these reoccurring shots and scenarios that that's just where our mind instantly goes if we're seeing a dark house and someone walking down a hallway by candlelight that yes and if they're standing and behind them it's a black open doorway uh-huh. like it's the black inkiness of night you're like something's coming out of there or even just normal shots where it's just long 
shots of the bench that Eloise eventually sits on to be posing and be like, that shot is so long. Is that going to move? <laughs> like, what is happening? It's so creepy. So, yes, very glad that you... Yes, yeah, spoiler alert, there's no supernatural elements going on. Nothing but the metaphor of a haunting. But still, keep in mind that, <laughs> that there are things to watch. I kind of want to pitch this to my movie Discord now and make them think that it might have a supernatural twist and just <laughs> see <laughs> how they react. Do it. I also love that it's a slow burn, but... It's a portrait of a lady on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a slow burn romance. There are so many layers to that. That's really funny. <laughs> there really are. Can we jump back briefly to the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice? Now that we're in the spoiler section. Because after telling that story to Sophie and Marianne, Eloise wonders if Eurydice told Orpheus to turn back and look at her. And that's what she does in the very last moment between the two. She says, as Marianne is leaving the house and fleeing, she says, turn around. And Marianne looks at her. And then when Marianne hears the story, she argues that Orpheus chooses the memory of Eurydice instead. And that's what Marianne does. She doesn't stay. She doesn't, you know, quote, fight for their relationship in this inevitable failure, right? She decides to keep the memory of Eloise instead. And I think that's so well done. <laughs> that's such a good choice on the director's part. That's so beautifully done. And it mm -hmm. comes up later, right? In the painting that Marianne does in the art gallery. It's a new interpretation of the myth. Yeah, that's very true. I think that's something else that this film articulated really well that I don't think many other films do because they want to make the moment seem way more cinematic or special is that the day that Eloise's mother returns everything just feels so sudden and rushed and even though Marianne and Eloise have been savoring their time together up until this point it's not like they get this very wistful goodbye and that they really get to like hold one another and everything like it's just so quick and it's not how either of them expect it and they just kind of have to move on and that seems very true to life like the last time that you see someone you might not know that it's the last time that you see them or even if you do it's never how you expect or mm. it's never what you want it to be and that just so perfectly articulated that feeling that I think we've always been that brief hug yeah that last physical touch between the two oh so good it's so sad she Marianne hugs Eloise's mom so she has an excuse to hug Eloise that's very uh -huh. clear and so beautifully done oh I rewound it and watched that scene probably four times because it's just, and then Eloise follows her in the wedding dress as turn around and then it's so quick Marianne leaves so quickly. Mm -hmm. You almost don't get a chance to see Eloise in her dress. Marianne can't take it. She can't take it. And she has to leave. And like you said, you don't know the last time you might see that other person. And that's why goodbyes are tragic. But in this case, we know that Marianne sees Eloise once more. And we also know that Eloise doesn't see her 
and that is so tragic. It's so sad. Let's talk about those endings, Jack. I am under the opinion that there are four different endings to this movie, <laughs> essentially, and they're all so well done. And I almost think we need to choose one or two of them, but mm-hmm. I could never cut one because they're so perfect. Because there's the moment when Marianne turns to see Eloise in the wedding dress and then she leaves. There is the art gallery where Marianne sees the portrait of Eloise and the book turned to the page. And you, oh, so beautiful and sad. And then we have the orchestra. The orchestra with the long shot of Eloise listening to their song and crying. And Mm -hmm. they're so close to being reunited. They're so close and so far away. And then the painting class. We kind of didn't touch on this, but this entire love story is a flashback. It's a flashback as Marianne is teaching a painting class and one of her students finds her, a painting that she did of Eloise. So yes, four different ways this story could end. And they're all so well done. Did you, did you get that feeling that it was ending and then starting again? Did you like one over the other? What are, what are your thoughts on this? I did get that feeling that it was like an ending and then it was starting over. But I will say that maybe it's because I've watched a lot of TV shows recently that have what seems like it would be a series finale as maybe the penultimate episode or as episode nine in a 12 episode long final season that I've kind of, my brain has kind of trained me that there might be like an epilogue or something. And so that's what all of these endings felt like, like extra little epilogues or an extra episode at the end of this supposed finale. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that the painting was my favorite ending just because I was just as taken aback by it as Marianne was in the moment. Oh, that's true. But the the orchestra is such a perfect final ending as well. It is the perfect grand finale. So it it's hard to say. They're all so good. How do you feel? Uh, to be in a painting class. I have such mixed feelings. I don't I love them. I think the movie is pretty close to perfect. I would never cut any of these, but I did watching it, I did feel like well, okay. Now that you've said all of that, I'm starting to think, you know, Marianne thought that was her ending with Eloise. And then she kind of keeps getting surprised. Mm -hmm. She's kind of shocked back into memory at the art gallery and the orchestra and in the painting class, as we are in the audience. So maybe it fits even better than I thought my first time watching it. It makes sense that this grief and this memory is kind of prolonged. And that comes back to this idea of the purpose art serves here. These endings are all based in art, the art gallery, the orchestra, the painting class. Art serves as this vessel of memory and validation of their relationship and consolation for the grief she's feeling. They're both feeling. It's interesting because I definitely think that a story like this might not be as easily told in this day and age, but one line that I think has stood the test of time in a way that you might not expect is the exchange of dialogue when I think it's Marianne says, you dreamt of me, and Eloise says, no, I thought of you. 
And that's, I think it's the way that those two say. I think that's who said those words. It could have been switched, but yeah. Tell me more about that line. So I think that this is the period piece equivalent of Carly Rae Jepsen singing Before You Came Into My Life, I Missed You So Bad. (laughs) Yes, that is the only interpretation I will take of this movie and of that song. Perfect. My work here is done. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny, Jackie. That is a good line. And it's very romantic. They say very few words and they carry so much weight in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's that great scene where Marianne and Sophie are talking about Sophie having to get an abortion. And Eloise comes along and hears that Marianne's had to as well, which means that she's had sex. And then Eloise asks her if she's ever been in love. And Marianne says, yes. And later, you, you know, you get the feeling that by yes, she's talking about her this moment here at this house in southern France. I wonder what Carly Rae Jepsen thinks about this movie. Once you get the Twitter running up for this <laughs> podcast, I would love for you to ask her that. Gonna have to do that. Is there anything else that you want to touch on with this movie? I did some research because I was curious about what the director said about the movie. What Celine, how do we say it? Sikama? Sikama <laughs> said about this movie and one of the reviews that she was interviewed for talk, she talked about their first kiss which was on the beach when they're mm-hmm. wearing the scarves mm-hmm. and both of the girls pull their scarf away over their own like they pull their own scarf down over their mouth to kiss the girl and that is this perfect representation of consent because There is apparently, I mean, I don't know, but there's apparently this cultural debate in France about whether consent takes the passion out of sex. But this image of them on the beach pulling down their scarves is, quote, an image of mutual consent. And it's hot. And I think that is such a nice little touch. This whole movie is about consent between these two girls. Between the girls and Sophie and Sophie and the girls as well. It's all about consent. But yeah, I mean, this movie is one of those that I'm surprised by how good it is every time I watch it. This is my third time now, and I'm like, it can't possibly be as good as I remember it being. But it is. But it is. <laughs> but it totally is. And I can watch it over and over. And I know I will. I hope Hulu doesn't take it off anytime soon. I hope they don't either. I definitely want to rewatch it and be able to grab even more details than I did the first time. It makes me want to take a painting class and go to a beach. Yes. Oh, I would love to have a house like that. Maybe not have one. That seems a little excessive, but go on a vacation in one of those houses with the beach so readily accessible. Mm-hmm. Walk on the cliffs. That's your main activity of the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it sounds great. It sounds very relaxing. Absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to touch on? Whenever you're in the mood for a slow, poignant romance, and 
if you're also in the mood to just get rid of the male gaze entirely for a couple of hours, give this movie a try. This is the movie for you. Now I guess I'll ask you, have you watched any good movies lately? I rewatched a good movie this week, um, Inside Lewin Davis. Yes. Have you seen this? Oscar Isaac struggling to make a name for himself in the music biz. Ugh, I will watch just about anything with Oscar Isaac in it, but you can't beat this movie. Him, a guitar, a cat, public transportation. It's got everything. It's so good. So give it a try if you haven't seen it. I rewatched Inception earlier this week. Ooh. I've been impatiently wanting to rewatch tenant after seeing it in the drive-in and having that be such a weird chaotic (laughs) experience that I feel like I still haven't fully actually watched the movie yet and so I'm just waiting for tenant to be released on VOD and in the meantime I'm just trying to fill the void and Inception was that for me so yeah it's always a good one to revisit I've actually never seen Inception but The soundtrack to Inception is like my go-to get-work-done soundtrack, Hans Zimmer. (laughs) It's so phenomenal. Time, the song Time from Inception, has been on my top five like Spotify songs for probably four years now. Oh my gosh. I was just listening to that literally last night. (laughs) You have good taste. Well, you... Oh my gosh. My headphones just went flying across the room. I've never knocked them off of my head before. That was wild. So enthusiastic. Yeah, so enthusiastic about time. Um, You should definitely check out the score for Tenet. It's not Hans Zimmer. It's Ludwig Göransson, who did the score for Black Panther and The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. That's why the name sounds familiar. Yeah. I have a whole playlist on Spotify of movie film scores. And I will look that up and add them to the list. Add Tenet soundtrack songs to the list because that sounds great. That sounds right up my alley. It's good. I think that it it was a nice change. Although I like the Nolan Zimmer team up, it was just nice to have a different composer kind of bring a different sound yeah. to one of his movies. But yeah, which probably by this point you have all heard me talk about Tenet in another podcast that I haven't recorded yet but I'm talking about it now and it's gonna air before this and it's just a lot of time bending around here do you have any social media that you would like to plug or anything that you're working on sure you can always follow me on twitter at Lydia May Walker and I'm also involved in a nonprofit called the Appalachian Prison Book Project that sends books to people incarcerated in Appalachia. And I can't help but plug them because I'm spending the rest of my winter break revamping the website. And I love volunteering with them. So check it out if you're interested. Yeah, check it out, people. You can find us on Twitter at YourFNFilmCast. And that is Y-O-U-R which I kind of like that name because it sounds like I'm saying you're effing film cast, but that's just kind of how it worked yes, out. Yes, that's perfect. 
<laughs> and the email that you can reach us by is friendlyneighborhoodfilmcast at gmail.com. I said it correctly this time. I finally got it right. There's not going to be weird dead air when I just cut out <laughs> the part of saying my email wrong. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Enjoy.